Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Hello, I'm Trevor Allen, Head of Sustainability Research here at Markets 360. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Megan Dale and Shamati Semavoy-Jane, Sustainability Research Analyst on my team. It's Thursday morning here in London on the 18th of May, 2023. Today on Sustainability Unearthed, we are going to catch you up on all the key sustainability events you may have missed, and we will discuss the impacts that we think they may have on the future. We always look forward to this time of year as it's a great time to reflect on the progress made on global environmental issues such as COP27, and it gives us a chance to look ahead towards the agenda for the upcoming COP28, which will start in November. This year will be particularly important as it will be the first global stock take on progress since the Paris Agreement was first signed back in 2015. And along with this backdrop, April was packed with opportunities for global policymakers to really step up their transition ambitions, such as Earth Day, the G7 Summit, and the spring meetings of key financial institutions such as the World Bank. Megan, let's start with you, please. Would you give us a quick overview of the interesting developments you've seen in this space, and what should we be looking out for in the future? Hi, Trevor, of course. So really, there are three main takeaways in our view. So firstly, we expect a lot more pressure on countries, especially developed nations, to step up their climate ambitions. Unfortunately, emissions are still rising, and many countries' climate targets are still regarded as insufficient according to industry experts at Climate Action Tracker. In particular, we expect that countries that are far behind on their climate ambitions, such as Canada, to feel more pressure from increased international scrutiny. And as well, the EU must legally set a 2040 climate target in the first half of 2024. So we think that the bloc might take this opportunity to improve its overall climate ambitions. Um, So moving on to our second key takeaway, which concerns the G7's environmental summit. The group set new targets for renewable energy deployment, which included a goal to deploy an additional 150 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity by 2030, as well as to have installed a total of one terawatt of solar power capacity by this date. Um, That said, in our view, we don't think that these targets are very ambitious. And in fact, they are lower than the sum of the G7 individual country level offshore and solar targets. However, um, the construction of a group level target may be positive in the sense that it could help to ensure the concrete delivery of individual countries' existing commitments. Um, And then finally, I would like to discuss climate financing for emerging markets. So essentially, 2023 has been dubbed as the new expected delivery date of the long awaited $100 billion Green Climate Fund, which was originally due to be achieved in 2020. The fund aims to provide climate financing for developing nations. And while there have been some recent pledges, such as US President Joe Biden pledging an additional $1 billion, the reality is that much of the financing is still not definite. And so we expect these contributions to go up to the wire to be delivered. Um, On that point, we also expect multilateral development banks to remain a key channel for developed nations to channel climate funding for emerging markets particularly against the current economic backdrop of high inflation. However, improvements in efficiency rather than capital increases seem to be the most likely course of action in our view. Thank you, Megan. That's definitely a lot to look out for in the run-up to COP28. 
Now let's turn to the sustainable bond markets. Sumati, please, could you elaborate on the dynamic in 2023 relative to previous years? Is the sustainable bond market off to a good start? Yes, we are. Q1 2023's green bond issuance volume outpaced that observed in the record Q1 2021 by 22%. But on top of that, that record issuance in April of close to $60 billion, 2023 is really beating records and showing consistency each month with similar volume. But this remains a green bond story, as issuance in other label bonds categories isn't as buoyant. That of sustainability bonds is roughly in line with 2022, but social bond issuance is declining, amounting to only half of 2021 volume so far, but quite natural as driven by cyclical trends with economies reopening after the pandemic. Meanwhile, sustainability-linked bond issuance is disappointing this year, with April particularly low at only $3 billion on the back of declining general market credibility in the instrument. Thank you, Smarty. Coming back to green bonds, though, specifically, what are the trends that you've observed so far this year? On the positive side, we're particularly impressed by volume seen in the public sector. Volumes from sovereigns are double that seen in the first four months of 2021, the record year. This was driven by strong issuance from supranationals, APAC sovereigns, and April being particularly strong for EMEA sovereigns, with Italy's 10 billion um, euros sovereign green BTP oversubscribed by five times, for example. Besides, Turkey raised $2.5 billion uh, in its first international green bond. And on top of that, we continue to see new entrants to the market. End of April, we had news that Angola might issue a green bond, for example, to finance water and energy projects. Moreover, Thailand will issue $600 million of SLBs this year, too, showing some level of innovation as well from EM sovereigns. On the more negative side, um, the United States are severely lagging, driven by political tensions regarding ESG, with Q1 2023 issuance running 28% below Q1 2021 levels. And how about the corporate side? What have we seen there? Issuance from European corporates has been particularly strong, actually, outpacing 2022 volumes by 77%. Besides, Bloomberg reported that European green corporate bonds increased their share in the high-grade index to almost 11% at the end of Q1, from 6% at the start of 2022. Very interesting. So we definitely have some positive momentum in Europe. Now, turning to biodiversity. The TNFD, short for the Task Force on Nature-Related Financial Disclosures, has developed a risk management and disclosure framework on nature-related risks. They've recently released a fourth beta framework for market consultation, aiming to release the full framework in September of 2023. 42 financial institutions participated in a United Nations environmental program pilot test, and some interesting elements came out of that. Sumati, could you run us through the main findings, please, of the report, Unboxing Nature-Related Risks? Yes, sure. Well, First of all, participants said that the synergies of TNFT with the TCFD made them more confident in their ability to incorporate nature risk assessments in their internal processes. 
but they did highlight the need for biodiversity experts internally, with understanding of ecosystem assets and natural capital. And even for biodiversity experts, lack of standardized asset-level data throughout the supply chain and geographies makes the exercise particularly challenging, especially for aggregation at portfolio level. Some simplifications are required while corporates improve their disclosures and supply chain traceability. But we note that the progress on biodiversity data is impressive with tools such as IBAT or the WWF water risk filter, and corporates will improve their disclosures over time. Moreover, the overall framework was proved effective at arriving at a detailed materiality mapping, which is a great first step. And similar priority subsectors and regions were identified by participating institutions. And what is needed to go beyond a materiality analysis at portfolio level? The TNFD recognized that more guidance on magnitude metrics would be useful for financial institutions to move from an impact and dependency analysis to a financial risk and opportunity assessment. And more specifically, more standardization of tools at the global and sector level are needed to make a portfolio level assessment rather than at the individual financial product level. This could be supported by scenario analysis and integration into financial institutions overall risk management frameworks. For this, information on biodiversity tipping points will be essential in determining the time frame and likelihood of risk to perform stress tests. There are other risks, so such as bio, biosecurity, soil fertility and air quality and pollution events that are not directly related to climate for which commonly agreed scenarios would be helpful. Translation on a granular level for the outcomes from the approved um, GBF framework, so at the, the COP15 framework, was also highlighted as a key development needed. Thank you, Megan, and thank you, Samati. And thank you for listening. Please check back here soon or on our BNP Paribas Global Markets app, where we will strive to unearth all the information you need on the sustainability markets. This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation, or any form of advice from BNP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives, and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part.